or throughout the day is a better word to say. Yeah. Yeah, often we make goals for ourselves, uh, expecting way too much. But when we have a, a very simple practice that we recognize that that simple practice takes um, a skill that we don't have developed yet. That simple practice takes a skill we don't have developed yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And the skill is the skill of, of sati to remember to do what we have, um, let us say, assigned or given ourselves a task to do. Mm -hmm. That we have, um, in, in fact, the whole concept then is intention. And so we have now two intentions. One intention is just to be mindful whenever we think of it. But then the momentary intentions that we have will overshadow that intention, like the intention to get a drink of water. Yeah. Yeah, like I can say I want to go do my homework or like, you know, I want to get all my homework done early today. But, you know, then uh, I don't know, I guess that's probably a bunch of different intentions bundled into one. But then, you know, maybe I'm browsing the Internet, you know, getting up doing all these other things and then yeah, building up a whole lot of like negative self-talk throughout the day when I don't get, you know, whatever it is done. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. That's why um, these um, little assignments throughout the day um, are very, very good. Uh, now in the sutta, the, um, Hang on a second. Uh, we were originally talking about the chair. Mm -hmm. But in the suttas, it talks about the hands mostly. Ra uh, reaching, grasping, touching, that kind of thing. But that actually requires a higher level of sati. Which sutta are you talking about? Sutta number 10, the Satipatthana Sutta. Satipatthana, okay. Okay, In the, and uh, you probably heard me say that the Satipatthana Sutta and the Anapanasati Sutta fit together, directly together. Mm -hmm. That in fact, even when they appear to diverge, that in itself is a further teaching. When they, it, I'm sorry, what was that? When they intersect, that's even even when they diverge. Oh, when they diverge, okay. When when one sutta teaches one thing and another sutta teaches another thing in that context, mm. then uh, instead of seeing a, a, a contradiction, we begin to actually put the dhamma together as to how it fits together. Yeah. Now, in that re, uh, uh, situation, um, the Anapanasati Sutta specifically says that it is um, practiced for the fulfillment of the Sambud, uh, the, the uh, Satipatthana, the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so naturally, if that's the first 
big statement about Anapanasati, you would understand that it's a companion sutta. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then uh, in the Anapanasati sutta, it says that the Satipatthana uh, through Anapanasati is practiced for the fulfillment of the Sambhojana, the seven factors of enlightenment. Yeah. Okay. To where the uh, Satipatthana Sutta takes a kind of a different approach, especially in the area of what we call Dhamma which would be the step 13 to 16 of Anapanasati. And we're talking about uh, the objects of the mind. Mm -hmm. And in the Pali, it's called Dhamma which means to inspect the Dhammas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are now, these the. Um, I was reading through the Anapanasati Sutta today a little bit, um, and I remember it was like, okay, this practice is for the cultivation of like the four powers, like the four, there was another four thing, and then it gets onto the seven factors, fulfilling the seven factors. Um, Actually, this... it's a little bit earlier, and that is, oh, okay. it's called, and that uh, it's in fact, the, um, it, <clears throat> The idia pada. Okay. Idia is also in the Sanskrit is called the city, or that um, this is what we mean by spiritual powers. But mm -hmm. within <clears throat> within ordinary Buddhism, these powers are magical powers. Mm-hmm that people want. They want the magic, okay? And the magic then, it would be stated, is walking through walls, uh, swimming in the uh, dirt, uh, walking on water. Um, yeah, definitely some, like, magical interpretations of them. Right. Um, definitely on Theravada. Well, I don't know, maybe in Theravada. I'm not sure, actually. But, well, uh, the actual powers that are mentioned in the Anapanasati Sutta is actually uh, you look at the, the Pali dictionaries and that it starts giving definitions of uh, <clears throat> the spiritual power as the satisfaction, sukha, mm -hmm. freedom from suffering, okay, which you would also add safety, security. And then the big one on top is wealth. Yeah. Okay, when everything is all right, that means that even if half the stuff goes wrong, the other half is more than enough. You're not reaching out for fulfillment. You have it where you're sitting. Pardon? Like, you're not reaching out for, like, for fulfillment. You, you have it while you're sitting. You, right. You have it, that wealth. It, it, like, everything's okay. Comes, yeah. Everything, right. We're, we're completely wealthy. We've got plenty enough. Yeah, and that and that extra padding of wealth then is what gives us even a deeper level of security. Mm -hmm. Okay, and ultimately the deepest level of security comes from harmlessness. Mm -hmm. An example of that is the mob boss is going to have four or five thugs around, and he still doesn't feel safe. Yeah, because he knows that something out there is out to get him. Okay. The casual, there's a lot of harm, unfortunately, that goes into my existence. And I try not to think about it because, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. 
Okay. But well, whatever it is that the uh, mob boss is afraid of that's out to get him within this context of real power is, is that that which is out to go get the mob boss in the mob boss's mind is in our mind our best friend. Okay. So whatever, so the thing that's, you said the thing that's out to get the mob boss is our best friend. Like the thing in their mind that's it's out actually to get our them. best friend. Uh huh. It's like, because it shows you where the suffering is. Kind of, or like it's uh, a, no? Yeah, it's to recognize that in fact that best friend is not causing our suffering. Because we can, okay, through that examination, we understand that it's not causing right. us suffering. It's yeah, not okay. causing the suffering. Yes. We have to go back to the force, the second noble truth to understand that in the Bob Moss's mind, his fear of retaliation and getting caught is all in his mind. Mm-hmm. And all and is that suffering. what? Sorry for being scattered, but is that what the Satipatthana is about? Is like doing that examination, like kind of looking at suffering? Actually, the Satipatthana is the opening door uh, that leads into the hallway of the five aggregates and then finally into the grand ballroom of Paticca Samapada. Okay. But the second noble truth then would be the doorway or the overall way of, of looking at it. And the first thing that's striking about that second noble truth is that greed, ill will, and delusion is within one's own mind. Mm -hmm. All the greed, all the ill will, and all the delusion is within one's own mind. And suffering cannot come from anything else. And so therefore suffering does not come from the outside. Even if three kids are kicking and beating up a third child laying on the ground, Still, the child that's laying on the ground is causing himself all of the suffering. Mm -hmm. And more than likely, what they're trying to do is just arm that kid so that they can rob him. And if he'd have given the stuff that they were asking for in the first place, they probably wouldn't have beaten him up. Yeah. So it was his own greed and it was his own clinging that caused him to get beat up. Yeah, I mean, would it? As I mean, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. But I was just thinking, like, you know, as he's getting beat up, like the suffering in that moment, would it also be due to the greed, hatred, and delusion? Like, right. uh, because yeah. he hates being beat up, and he's having uh, revenge thoughts in his mind. I'll get them, and his life is not very happy. Not only that, but then he feels the great sense of loss of that which he was clinging to when they finally do dig in his pockets and take his few coins. Yeah. Or like clinging to the body, like, oh, clinging my arm's going to gonna body, get hurt, I won't be able to... Money, clinging to all of it. Mm -hmm. And instead, he could have made friends. In fact, he thought that these three guys were his friends mm. when they led him into the alley or whatever. And so if he would have freely given them the money, then he might still be friends with them. Yeah. And he stood, he got beat up, he got robbed, and all of that was because he lied to them. Yeah, he couldn't see through the, you know, what, um, yeah, he couldn't see all those, through all the feelings and emotions and see, like, what a good course of action, or, like, weigh the pros and cons, that's what you would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's back up a notch. 
Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about it in the sense of computers have uh, uh, in, uh, an interrupt stack. Mm -hmm. And that higher priority interrupts will come in and interrupt whatever's there. But as soon as that interrupt is handled, now we got to go back in the stack and get the interrupt that we were processing before and then the one before that until we empty the stack. So let's drop back into our stack of conversation a bit and get away from the idiopata back into the Satipatthana because in the, um, the Satipatthana Sutta, the Dhammanukaya um, works in the following ways. It, it states it, in fact, without even talking about what's really going on, it just merely states that uh, when when one is uh, practicing anapanasati or the satipatthana, that the mind will have objects, mm -hmm. and that then the objects are listed in the satipatthana sutta. Okay. Yeah. And the first object that's listed is guess what? Good old hindrances, because that's hindrances. the first thing that people have to deal with. But once we have been able to deal with the hindrances, that means we're throwing out unwholesome thoughts. There are a group of wholesome thoughts to put in there. Okay. Okay. And in fact, the seven factors of enlightenment is just given mention, as well as um, the five aggregates. And then the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Noble Path, but in, um, there's actually two suttas. There is the Maha Satipatthana Sutta uh, and the uh, Satipatthana Sutta. Now, it looks like in the Thai language that they have thrown out the, uh, the Satipatthana Sutta and just put in whole hog the Maha Satipatthana Sutta. Because I pointed this out to uh, um, uh, to Robert, and he made an investigation. He says, no, it's the same sutta all the way through it, line by line, page by page. But in the English, the, the Satipatthana Sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya is much shorter, which basically means that it's this part, which is a great, big, grand, full explanation of the Four Noble Truths, and most specifically, the Eightfold Noble Path. All right. Now, here's something interesting then. In, this, in the Anapanasati Sutta, it says that we practice the four uh, foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana, for the fulfillment of the Sambhojana. Why does the Anapanasati Sutta talk about the fulfillment of the Sambhojana to where, in fact, in the Satipatthana Sutta, it talks about um, spending one's mind time and moments on and having as an, an, an intentional object to have the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Noble Path as our object. Mm. Why you does it do that? Right. You see, the inherent contradiction is there, but the issue basically is resolved with the word fulfillment as okay. opposed to fulfilling. That in the Anapanasati Sutta, the Sambhojana is the fulfillment of having practiced the Eightfold Noble Path through the Satipatthana. And so we can see that uh, uh, the Satipatthana um, 
uh, version is how we practice the Eightfold Noble Path, which I talk about quite a lot when I'm talking about Anapanasati. I'm referring back to, in fact, the Satipatthana Sutta. But the fulfillment then of that practice is now the fulfillment of the Eightfold Noble Path. And the fulfillment of the Eightfold Noble Path is, in fact, the seven factors of enlightenment. If you look at them, you'll say, bingo, that's exactly right. Because the way that the uh, seven factors of enlightenment is stated is actually in a chronological order. And the first item on the list is unremitting sati. Mm-hmm. Unremitting sati. We have to get it to the point that it keeps coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. And so we're starting now in your practice to bring that satipatthana up at certain periods of time to have them anchored. And the more anchors you have for sati, the more often it will be brought up. Okay. Okay. You probably heard the expression, oh, that reminds me. Yeah. In other words, we have a, um, a, a letter that comes in the mail from the water department. And he says, oh, that reminds me. I've got to pay the internet also. Yeah, like, but we want those for Dhamma. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, exactly. Right? So sati needs to become unremitting. In other okay. words, we want as, remem- as many reminders as possible to remind us to be in the present moment. Yeah. Okay, because that's our overall intention, is <laughs> to develop this sati of unremitting mindfulness. Okay. Okay. So and then we recognize, go ahead. I, sorry, I got a little lost. Um, so, you know, you're saying um, in the Anapanasati, Anapanasati Sutta, we're saying like, um, uh, you know, following the Eightfold Path and practicing like Anapanasati um, will help us fulfill, or will like lead to the fulfillment, sorry, no, will lead the to Sambhajana, the Sambhajana, right, fulfillment of the Sambhajana. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, I keep forgetting the name. It's Satipatthana, or I'm sorry, Satipatana what was the one we're talking about today? Mm-hmm. Satipatthana. This is the one we're talking about today, and that's more to do with objects. This is. Right. Or, I'm sorry, did right. I get the things mixed up? Okay, so that's right. That's we're talking about objects. Right. You can this see is, Sati also has all to do with, like, over the place. Right. We would Sati like more is... objects of the eightfold path, or like hey, that's probably bad wording, but we want more when, objects that are wholesome. When the skills that are talked about in the eightfold noble path are developed, mm-hmm. then it develops so the uh, right noble sati, that skill that's to be developed, when it is developed, the fulfillment of that is unremitting sati. Okay, so yeah, then we'll have unremitting, like we'll be remembering this very frequently, I guess, like as frequently as we can. Right, exactly. Yeah. Every time it ha- every time we see the anchor. Mm-hmm. And so we or, want to swamp- let us yeah. say it, every time we pull the trigger, we get a big bang. Okay. Okay, and the more triggers we have and the more triggers that are pulled, then the, then the more often we're going to have the bang of, of sati. Yeah, that's. This sounds like a very good plan. <laughs> it's kind of what I've been trying to do ad hoc, but it's just not been like I don't know the how to do it. Right, and so we want to have these anchors. We want to have these things, and the breath is one of them. In fact, right inside of the Anapanasati Sutta, it talks about that we mindfully 
understand the in-breath, okay? What yeah. that means is sati, on that long in-breath, and sati, on that long out-breath. That's how we want to practice sati, is mm -hmm. to bring up sati twice with every breath. Twice with every breath, yes. Okay, but that's when we're doing side a, a formal practice to where we've got nothing else on the mind. Mm -hmm. Now that we're going to go back into the world, we're going to start adding new anchors. Because mm -hmm. the breath now is way too subtle of an anchor. Because of all of the other anchors that are uh, that uh, arouse our interest. The breath is too subtle of an anchor? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. You forget about how how often during the day, yeah, without anapanasati practice, would you remember to breathe? You don't no, have you're to right. because it happens automatically. You know, usually I remember and then I breathe. It's not mm -hmm. I'm breathing in a room. Yeah. So yes, I agree. That will that will actually uh, speed up the process so that part of the waking up process is taking the deep breath. Okay, yeah. And in fact, sati arises with that deep breath as part mm -hmm. of the practice. Okay, so getting on with the rest of the Sambo Jhana, just for the moment. We have the second item on it is unremitting investigation. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's right noble view, to look, to investigate, to notice, to see what's mm -hmm. going on. And when, that, when sati is unremitting, then our investigation becomes unremitting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when our um, investigation quality and our sati becomes unremitting, then our effort becomes unremitting and very easy. And in this mm -hmm. case, we change the language from effort because it's not an effort anymore. It's almost like spring-loaded. Yeah, it's at and that so point we, when it's unremitting, it's, you know, right. and you it, have all the dominoes in place. Uh-huh. Exactly. And so we can call it here is unremitting energy or unremitting. And, and when we use the word energy, that's maybe the wrong word for it. Uh, but it because it, it really has more to do with an attitude. That really? when, because it's really easy to do and we know to do it. I mean, it's, uh, when when sati is well practiced then taking that deep breath is very easy to do. Yeah. But in the beginning, it takes some effort. Now it's dead easy. Okay, so that's another way of talking about it is unremitting easiness. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like energy, like you have the ability to do things. Right. Unremitting easiness. The next one is actually unremitting piti sukha. They put the two together. Unremitting piti sukha means um, that uh, jhana factor of the first jhana is there much of the time. Joyfulness. The attitude, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. Okay, the, uh, uh, the yeah. lion mentality. And it's unremitting the when the sati is unremitting and our investigation is unremitting and our easiness is unremitting. Mm -hmm. Okay, and because of that, and, and uh, built on the attitude of, I can handle this, that goes back to the quality of the wealth that we were talking about in the, uh, the four powers, the four bases of power. 
And by the way, the four bases of power are different than the four than the five powers. Oh, okay. Okay. The four bases of power is guess what? Of all things, is going to be sati. Is going to be investigation. Is going to be taking right effort. (laughs) So these are like, yeah. I guess those are the. They're not. I guess it's not the the skill way of saying it, but it's like the noun verb or like the noun version of it kind of right and exactly so so the basis of the power is in fact the eightfold noble path again and the results of that power is um a sense of well-being a sense of security and safety a sense of contentment a sense of relaxation a sense of wealth Mm -hmm. these are the powers and that comes uh along with the uh, the Sambo Jhana as we're developing those. And so actually the first thing to say is um, that we have to actually practice having Piti Sukha in order to be able to develop it. In other words, uh, the very, very first note that a piano player ever plays He's got to actually walk up to that piano and press that note down and get a sound. Mm-hmm. Okay. From there, he can go on to other notes. From there, he can go into pr- fingering and chords and melody and bass and all of that kind of stuff. But that very first thing that he has to do is actually play a note on the piano. If someone never plays a note on a piano ever, how can they possibly be considered a pianist? Unless, yeah. of course, they drink the most beer, but I'm talking about something else now. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the whole point. If we cannot develop this piti sukha, if we cannot get ourselves into this state with the Eightfold Noble Path of being content and secure and safe, then how, if we can't ever get ourselves into it, then how can we then develop the skill of going into it often? And how can we develop the skill of staying in it for long periods of time to be able to sustain it? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then you could say that, oh, well, now I understand this is the Sambhujana, in fact, are the factors of enlightenment when they are there, and they are there unremittingly. Okay, and so we've already covered the four and the first four that are in the um, Eightfold Noble Path and the first four that are in the Sambo Jhana are exactly the same four. Which are okay. also the same four that are the basis of, the, of spiritual power. One is cool, the so skill, we... the other one is how it's done in the present moment, and the last one is the fulfillment of it. So we start out with like, Maybe you don't know how to, you know, you don't know how to summon these, but then you practice, you develop those skills, you build the powers to until it's unremitting. Mm-hmm. But a lot of students never give themselves that that first note on the piano. Yeah, um, they spend the whole time polishing the piano, I guess. <laughs> a joy is another one of the seven factors, right? Or is that just a different translation absolutely that's the piti sukha that's the okay that's the piti sukha yeah that's the one uh, like um 
I feel when, when I sit, there's shadows of it. Um, but, and I've been practicing and, you know, it feels stronger, but it's like, I don't know what I'm looking for almost. Is that kind of what the Satipatthana describes? Almost, except that in that point, when you have the thought of what am I looking for, if Sati is there, then the answer will be, there's nothing to look for. Let me just enjoy the fact I don't have to go find anything. Yeah, well, I'm um, already wealthy with all the stuff I need to know. I don't need to know anything else. Yeah, so there's like that confidence. You have to be like, there it is. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm unsatisfied with. Uh, not unsatisfied. Uh, hard to say. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm happy with like where I'm the trajectory, but it's like. Um, Feels like there's something missing in the, in the like uh, sadi, not sadi. Sorry, the sukha like this. Okay, um, but that's, sorry, that's so we don't really need to talk way. about that. But uh, yes, something's missing in there. Let's look at that for just a moment. When we have the idea, the opinion, the view, uh, the understanding, etc., of there, there is something missing. That's coming from comparing it to a set of, or a list of rules or um, ideals or something on the outside and we compare what we've got now with that list intentionally with the idea of coming up short. Oh, I'm missing that one, so now I've got to work on it. Yeah. Okay. Let's put that in the perspective of instead of using it as a critical way we're going to start changing the mind into that state of um, uh, piti sukha is, is that we've already got all we need. We're wealthy now. This moment is fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, in that regard, we're coming out of the critical thinking of comparing yes. what is now with some list to see if there's things missing or extra added or whatever like that, is we drop that whole comparison system. Yeah. And we nurture. Okay, okay. That, so, yeah, that makes sense. Because when I, I, I think like kind of the experience I'm describing is I sit down and I'm like, not enough, um, not enough sukha, like, or like, you know, not this enough feeding. This is plenty of sukha. This is it. This it is require, fine. Yeah. Yes, and okay. that's the mentality you see there, that we come as Westerners to meditation with so much greed that it's really hard to get out of that greed. So those are so there's like negative, like that negative self self talk or like um, being like, oh, like this isn't enough. That's an object, isn't it? Like that's a mental object that I have. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not doing it right. I need like, something else. I don't have enough sukha. All of those are hindering thoughts. So we should be able to, as we sit, like examine those or like do an investigation so that we can free ourselves of that like hindrance, right? Of, of that critical mind. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I see that. Yeah, you you, you just want to feel like you want to feel confident. You would be like, yeah, I can do it. Um, but, you know, sometimes those objects arise and. Um, skillfully navigating those is uh, what I've been having trouble with. I mean, I guess that's kind right. of negative self-talk in the itself. Skillful navigation of that starts with 
and continues along with, oh, I can handle this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I can handle this. Kind of like a chess game with a good friend or maybe even checkers with the family. And it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. Mm-hmm. The important point is to enjoy the game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So like, why whenever I do that, whenever I say like. Into this winning and losing. No, Let's yeah. Like hundred percent true. Like I had that feeling like, you know, if I say like, you know, I can handle this, even if something uncomfortable arises. Um, so is the Saudi Patana like once you have that mindset of like, you know, I can handle this, I can perform my investigation, um, I can let I can, you know, let go of bad thoughts or whatever. Um, is that where like kind of the Saudi Patana comes into play and like helps you? Yes, except that I'm noticing your eyes and your voice and all of that, and that you're saying it as or as if you were trying to convince yourself. Yeah, that's I always try to convince myself. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what so but that's that not trying it. Trying to convince yourself point. is that critical mind rather than just giving it. You've already got it. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of the same side of the different side of the same coin or whatever. OK, like so you've already got yourself. it. Yeah. Already got it. So that's already. a third option. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got it when you're sitting there uh, practicing and you recognize that you want something you can say, oh, well, I've already got it. I don't you have, have to compare myself to a set of rules okay. on a list. Yeah, I don't have order. to go through steps one through ten. Mm-hmm. What I got to do is just recognize that I, I do have it. That, yeah, mm-hmm. there's not a special trick or anything. Exactly. Yeah. That when that we do have the skill to throw those hindering thoughts out, but we got to catch them and see them as hindrances. That's the hard part for most Western students is, is that they don't see hindrances as hindrances. Yeah, I guess like I'm wanting you to tell me like one easy trick to get rid of to like fix my confidence, but that's not what the Sadi Patana is. Well, yes, it is. Okay, it is. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's okay. just different than and, my conception. Let's go Fair back mind. to Maybe the mob just... The mob boss, what do they say when when the when the junior says, oh, well, you, you, you just really messed up over there. They're going to come to get you. What does the mob boss actually say? Forget about it. Okay, my boss so says now forget you can about just it. say okay. forget about all the ways that it should be done. Let me just relax and enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like I'm on break here now. Take a break from meditation, in the sense that uh, Western meditation is the idea of getting something, and and anapanasati is learning to enjoy through in d- direct investigation, that you've already got everything you need. Mm-hmm. But Ooh. we have to stop looking for things that we don't have because we have been trained to do that. That's so what recognizing is all about. hindrances. So yeah, mm-hmm. recognizing hindrances, you know, that's, that would be helpful. Because if I can, you know, I'm not noticing when these hindrances arise, like I don't notice that, like, saying like, oh, there's not enough sukkah here, that's a hindrance. And I'll get stuck in that thinking and start trying like tricks and stuff to get like rid of that mm-hmm. feeling. Wanting um, something that's that a hindrance. you don't have. Yes, like, so I'm not, I'm not seeing the whole picture. Like I'm seeing like, I'm just zooming in on that object or whatever. Is that kind of closer? Yes, okay. precisely so. So this whole mindset needs to be changed from 
I've got to go do this to get that. Yeah. Into I don't have to do anything anymore. And it's not this so. Is what Zen is all about in the sense of the, the listen to the one liners that Zen puts in there. Number one, you're already enlightened. Why should you strive for anything? You've already got it. Ooh, that's two, interesting. Because. Number two is that, uh, uh, is that haiku, no place to go and nothing to do. And the spring comes and the grass grows by itself. So the, the Zen talks a lot about there's nothing, nothing to do. Yeah. But me, well, or not me, but like somebody that's doesn't, you could also read that statement um, and say like, oh, I'm already enlightened, like take it the wrong way and be do and have like a hindrance. Oh, never mind. Don't you can disregard that. Actually, like, that's right. You can call the hindrances. Well, they are not obstructions, and I'm already enlightened with all of those obstructions, because, in fact, that's why we need to do that investigation. But they're kind of the see hindrances as hindrances. Yeah, what you're saying is like kind of the mindset. It's like the perspective you'd need to be able to see the hindrances. It's not necessarily that like, yeah, you're enlightened, but that's the perspective you need. Mm -hmm. Maybe, but I mean, yeah. well, you're the, the thought you're already enlightened comes after the throwing out of the hindrances, because in fact, throwing those hindrances out is now we're really light. Mm -hmm. We've really, really woken up. We're light and bright, and we've also dropped a lot of baggage. Well, so like maybe not already enlightened, but like, just like everything's great. Like, you know, you know, um, I have wealth. Like these are, that's the perspective that you want to, you know, I don't know there's true and false ways to. Th With a feeling of well-being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to have a feeling of well-being. Okay. A feeling that everything is okay. Yeah, I think I'm talking out of my depth, but I, I think I get what you're pointing at. Well, that developing that sense of well-being, not developing, let us say experiencing, experiencing and knowing it, yeah, practicing that you're experiencing, it. not necessarily just practicing, because I'm using the analogy of the first time that the, that the student presses his finger down on that note on the keyboard and it makes a sound. Yes. That sound is music. Mm -hmm. OK, and in that regard, you need to be able to make one sound, one yes. musical note. You and then we can have repeated experiences of that one note. Right. And, then, and add new notes to it. Yeah. But we need to get at least one note going. And that yes. one note then is going to be that sense of well-being in this moment. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about it well-being, but we can divide it out into I feel safe, I feel secure, I feel not anxious, I feel um, uh, content and satisfied. And that's that note we hit. We hit that note and say, ah. Mm. And then we start trying to practice that note over and over and over again to get ourselves into that state of satisfaction. Okay. And so you could you could look at it in the sense that because of the mechanics of the piano, 
as well as other things, that striking of the note, including getting the guy to actually come up to the piano and hit the note, has various components. Okay. We can also think of this state of well-being that we're talking about, hitting that first note, is also got several components to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one is we have to be in the vicinity of a piano that makes that music. And we cannot be in the vicinity of not piano. Yeah. Okay. That's an important point. It is. Okay. Because we can think of then, then, is having no piano is a major hindrance. Yes. Right. So having the piano or having that ability means that we have to actually remove the hindrances. Mm -hmm. That's the first part, but that's the major part. That's the major, major part is just to remove those hindrances because naturally, if we stop having unwholesome hindering thoughts and start having wholesome hin- um, uh, thoughts that are thoughts of well-being, mm-hmm. now the sukha and the pity will come on their own just like a wagon follows the horse. Yeah, but the power, but the power is changing the mind from a hindered mind into uh, the, the a gladdened mind, and so when the mind is gladdened, when the mind has wholesome thoughts, yeah, like how do you get the conditions in place, or like yeah, how do you sit down at the piano and play a chord? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the steps involved? If I'm playing the drums or something like that, if I'm just messing around in my hindrances, you know. I'll never get near the piano or like I won't play the right chord or. Exactly so. So that means then that getting us free from the hindrances and getting us into um, a state of well-being requires uh, changing the thoughts. Now, here's one of the kind of thoughts that students will have, though, is uh, using Metta as an example may all beings be happy or let's all feel good today or uh, uh, well I'm glad to be free from the hindrances and um, it feels really good and then the thought comes but it could be better yeah that's the hindrances coming back Mm -hmm. wanting things to be different than the way they are that's the hindrance rather than the actual enjoyment of the way things actually are yeah but the way our minds work like it's bouncing around all over the place mm -hmm. um it's easy to fall into that hindrance and uh, i don't know just like spend your entire session just thinking about like ah this needs to like this needs to be better like uh why isn't it what i want it to be you know exactly so so um practicing this Mm -hmm. then um brings on the fulfillment of the sambojana but we do not have that uh sambojana developed to the point of unremitting uh in the beginning of one's practice we still have to go back to the eightfold noble path and say these are skills to be developed 
not not a set of skills that I have readily available to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, that set of skills when they're when the skills are fully developed and readily available, that's what we mean by the word unremitting. That yes. they're readily available, but for the beginner um, and the intermediate, um, often the hindrances are strong enough <clears throat> that the skill set is not readily available. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep developing that skill set, but we have to develop the skill set free from hindrances. Because otherwise we're using the skill set is this skill is not good enough and I've got to improve that one and, and whatnot like that. To where sati is going to be developed with triggers, with mm -hmm. reminders. That's how we remember is because we've got a reminder. The example is you get the water bill in the mail and that reminds you to pay the electric bill or something. Right. Yeah. So this is why we come uh, away from the cushion with our practice to do things that's going to help trigger us throughout the day to come back and be here now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, because we use the hands so much, so often, they are not actually the easiest triggers because otherwise we'd be triggering all day long and we don't have the skill set yet. So um, using the hands or whatnot, um, at one time, and in fact, I just had a student talk about it uh, that, uh, let us say four or five years ago, that I was talking about using a cell phone that would have a ringer okay. that would ring um, alarms or a random tone uh, on a random occasion to help people wake up. But one of the students pointed out to me, wait a minute, that's really artificial and we need to get the kids off of these cell phones anyway. So piling ahead, more applications on is maybe not the right thing to do. And so that's when the idea of the chair comes in, because in fact, the chair is more useful and valuable than the cell phone itself, as well mm -hmm. as the fact that we're not likely once we pick up the, the cell phone, we're going to start going to YouTube or to uh, Zoom or uh, or whatever like that, maybe play a game on it. But we're unlikely to do that with the chair. We're mm -hmm. unlikely to pick it up four or five times a day, turn it over upside down, make sure that the wheels roll, make sure that it spins around correctly, make sure that it's going back and forth uh, with the back of it correctly and all of that kind of stuff. But we do that with our cell phones. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't do that with the chair. <clears throat> Basically, we do one of two things with the chair. We either sit down in it or we get up out of it. Mm -hmm. I, so I did have success with eating or like whenever I was eating, because that's something I do three times a day or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Just try and remember to wake up like as I'm chewing. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing you can do, but yeah, it's like trying to be uh, present okay. through that. Um, that was a little bit easier, but yeah, the chair, um, I'm still working on that. Um, it's, I, is it okay to put up like probably off topic, but can I put up like a little sign or something above my desk? It's like, Oh, make sure to remember to <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I that was a hack that I was mm -hmm. going to try out just to like get the habit in there. Kind of like the phone, but less invasive. One, one of the things that I remember them talking about in church. Um, one of the kids there 
wanted to get a tattoo of a cross on his hand so that that would help him to remember to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Back way back in the days when people actually tried to be like Jesus rather than uh, accepting that Jesus is their savior. And now they can just go take over the Republican Party. Yeah, that I mean, not a bad idea. Tattoo's not a bad idea. Right, exactly so. That's not actually a bad idea is to have something. Um, another example would be to, um, to carry mala beads, which people do in many, many cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, that in fact, uh, I had a, he was a boss of mine at one time, but he was from Turkey. And he, in fact, I've had several um, fairly strong relationships with, with uh, Turkish men. And that he called it a worry beads. Oh, yeah. And he carried this little mala. It wasn't the big mala that we have around the neck. It's more likely that if you double it up, it's like a, um, uh, a bracelet. Okay. And you, and you take it off and you count one bead after another. And he would do that through the day to help for reminding. Okay. Yeah. So these are I want those. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I want those impulses, like those habits, like built in, baked in. So I'm like remembering more frequently and give me a nice it's foundation. Right. For further mm-hmm. work. Um, yeah, that seems really important right now. Yes. And so this is one of the ways of developing sati to remember that we're mm-hmm. going to do this. And so having a little bracelet that you could wear mm-hmm. or um, whatnot like this will help with, with the sati so that by the time we get it to the point that we're watching the hands, whatever the hands are doing, that's pretty high level sati is mm-hmm. to know what the hands are doing. Because normally we're out doing stuff with the hands a lot without noticing what the hands are actually doing. Mm-hmm. And this is, in fact, one of the things that is very good about sitting practice is sitting and, and keeping the hands still intentionally. That's the same thing. So now we're going to go move them but that's a lot to do. And this is why we're looking at something that's big, a big anchor that yes. we do frequently throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And the answer is chair. We sit down and we stand up often throughout the day. Yeah. And so every time we sit down, we can look at the sitting of the chair down is like a full uh, anapanasati practice for about 10 seconds full on on upon asati in the sense of packing in as many of the 16 steps in there as we can mm-hmm. okay and what do we mean like that taking a long deep breath getting familiar back with the body become here now allow the body to relax then we bring up uh, or not then but in combination with that we're gladdening the mind and we're actually allowing the body and the mind together to relax into a state of satisfaction. <laughs> we can literally talk about it in the sense that when people sit down in the chair, they take a load off their feet, right? Yeah. Well, now we're not going to take just a load off our feet. We're going to take a load off our mind also. Take a load off. Take a full on anapanasati, not just relaxing the body by sitting down, we're also going to take the deep breath and um, um, 
throw the hindrances out, whatever we were talking, because a lot of times if we sit down, we sit down to do something, mm -hmm. right? And that to do something is based in that critical mind thinking that if I do this, I'll feel better later. Yeah. That's a hindrance to what we're practicing. We're practicing to be right here, right now, full on, happy without having to do anything for it. Mm -hmm. Just be here now. Okay, so when we sit down in the chair, we want to make sure that we're not sitting down uh, in the chair to do something on the laptop. Instead, we're just merely sitting down in the chair. Ah. Okay. Okay, and so as we sit down, we become completely relaxed. Yeah, it's a mini practice. We're not. Hmm? Yeah, we're tossing out the what we're planning on doing in the future. Yeah, um, we're not planning we're, what we're going to do in a moment. Yeah. We're going to sit here and then really enjoy this moment. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, are we doing this when we, we, um, when we stand up as well? Yes, with okay. a different point. And that's the one where you're evaluating your intentions. Like, what am I getting up to do? Yeah. Why? Why? I mean, if I, if in fact I have the ability by sitting down in a chair to go into Anapanasati. Mm. Then why would I want to get out of the chair? Mm. Ah, now we're beginning to look at uh, motivations, intentions, greeds, wants, desires, because the only thing that'll take you out of the chair is a form of a hindrance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, everything, I mean, you know, I stand up and it's like, ooh, what am I doing? There's like some pool. There's something like they're craving or like Tanha, like, ooh, I need to go get us get some coffee or like get some exactly. water. But like, gotta go it is, do something. It's not satisfaction mm -hmm. with what's right here. And so this is a major way of us waking up. Mm -hmm. To wake up. Uh, many people will say that uh, that they sit down and get up out of a chair 30, 40, 50 times a day. So yeah, I mean, I'll just get frustrated and then get up, walk around, like not even do anything, sit back down and then like do the same thing again. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, like I get up, I sit down, lots of room for practice there. And it's just like lots of things going on in my head to look at, too. Like, you know, intentions. Right. Like so you said, that's, you can see the intentions. What's, up, then. Yeah, like why? So, sorry, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> that's important. Right. So standing up then means that um, now we're going to take the moment to inspect why did we get up? Mm -hmm. Because many times we, um, that in fact when you're already saying that you're just now beginning to, to practice. Um, so I would imagine that sometimes you walk actually away from the chair 10 or 12 steps and then you remember, oh, I was going to stand when I got up. Yeah, that's that's a good point. A little bit go of ahead sati, a little bit though, late right? is better than no sati at all. <laughs> yeah, I think. OK, yeah, I had been just kind of being like, dang, I missed it. But it would just be better to just do it right then, wherever I remember right. to do it. it just and when it, you remember to do it, just it do it. But in fact, you say, oh, I missed it. Oh, I've taken three or four, ten steps and I didn't remember. Oh, bad yeah, me. Oh, that's get hindrance. the whip yeah. out. Oh, your shanti is no good. And all of that is the hindrances. Yeah. 
rather than taking the opportunity. Oh, now I remember. Oh, now I got it. That's the way of looking at it. And so we can stop and say, oh, now I remember that I'm going to start thinking about why do I get up out of the chair? Where am I going now? What am I doing? Am I just walking around the house aimlessly because I'm half bored and half <laughs> mentally out of it? Or what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the surprising thing. Because, <laughs> you know, I wake up halfway through or like I remember halfway through and you're like, what am I doing? It's like, I don't really even have a clear intention here. It's like five different things or something. Or like, ah, being, so this yeah, really does help us to begin to. So this is a good practice to keep going. Is to keep practicing this uh, with with strong intention, uh, putting a sign up, taping a, a sign to the chair. Uh, yeah, I got some the sign that you might want to tape to the chair is hello, Mr. Chair. I'm glad to see you. And that'll help you remember that when you sit down, that uh, uh, that you're going into full uh, first jhana. Ah. I'll tattoo a chair on my arm. <laughs> Chairs are kind of complex. They cost five dollars. Get a cross done. They're only two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's an ornate cross. You get less but anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, using anchors like that. So little signs or, or whatever. But you see, in the time of the Buddha, they didn't have that kind of stuff. So the Buddha gave them... Uh, and by the way, sitting in the woods with not a whole lot of laptops and desks and uh, offices and all of that kind of stuff there in the woods, there's not a whole lot to do with one's hands. Mm-hmm. And so, so come up for, with things. for guys who were uh, out camping in the woods, being mindful of what they're doing with their hands is a very good thing to do. Mm-hmm. However, in our busy lives, um, we do 10,000 things with our hands every day. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get a bigger anchor that's, that uh, happens less frequently. And so the chair is a very, very good use. Of, of that is to remember and so put a sign on the chair hello mr chair would be the sign that i would put down okay yeah i'll do that yeah i have a bunch of sticky notes over there okay do i remember do i remember when i'm standing up why did i get up i was sitting in my nice comfortable chair why would i get up gotta have a pretty good reason huh and yeah. now you're recognizing a lot of times you get up, you don't even have a decent reason to get up. No. That's great. So that's actually now um, a way of, um, let us say, adding a note or two to that piano, that first chord or that first note that we play is to be able to get ourselves into a state of music a state of satisfaction. Can we hear that tone of everything is all right? Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. So we need to get ourselves into that state one time, at least play that first note. Only then can we begin to repeat it over and over and over again and learn how to sustain that note. Mm-hmm. 
and and also it becomes more pure so that uh, uh, and so this is a way of <clears throat> let us say carrying the piano around with us all day oh yeah yeah I mean it, it makes so much sense it really does um, the hardest well the hindrance of thinking that I'm not doing it right or something that's been a big one the past few weeks that uh, I appreciate you pointing out <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I forget that one all the time. <clears throat> well, let's change the subject just a tiny little bit yeah. to the issue of practicing what one preaches. In, in the sense that I gave this chair um, to a student on Skype one time when my good friend Tun, who lives at um, Watsuan Mok, he was here visiting, and he overheard that conversation that I was having on Skype. Mm -hmm. And he immediately started doing it. But, I mean, this guy's already been in meditation for many years. He actually doesn't live in Estonia anymore. He's been living at Watsuanmok for the past four years. You'd expect him to have developed some sati. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So here he is, and I start watching him, or just noticing that he's actually doing that. When he stands up, uh, when he gets out of the chair, he stands up and he stands. And then he walks. And so I started doing that too. And so the whole time that he was here, we did that together. Mm -hmm. Using each other as um, uh, an anchor. Yeah. And so we both each and developed that practice. And so now I still do it. Oh, yeah? It's a practice that you want to keep going with. Do you get every chance you sit down yeah, now? I mean, stand up? Um, here's an example of that. Let us say that you uh, finally learned to play a spectacular piece of music on the piano. And that every time that you were with a particular friend, you played that piece of music. And now you don't see that friend anymore. Are you going to just stop playing that piece of music? Or are you going to keep going with it? Yeah, keep going with it, probably. Okay, so in that yeah, regard, once practice. we develop the skills of sati, we want to keep practicing them. Yeah. Yeah, we want to like keep those habits in place. We want to keep feeding them. Right, we want to keep those habits going because they're so beneficial and so valuable in the development of them, the sustaining of those habits mm. now. And so now we can do that standing up, uh, standing and getting up out of a chair and standing before we move unremittingly in other words every time i get out of a chair i remember i'm getting out of the chair why am i getting out of the chair sometimes i say nope i'm not even going to bother to get out i'll do that later don't have okay. to get up yeah and so this is the way that we want to look at it as a um, as a skill not just to be developed but to continue practicing mm-hmm so that you are mindful of why did I get up out of the chair? What is my intentions? What's the point? Where am I going? And also every time we sit back down in the chair, we do it completely. We take a load off. We stop yeah. thinking about what our plan was. Why did we sit down in the chair? Was not to, practice, to, uh, 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 to write emails or piddle with the laptop. The intention to sit down in the chair was to relax. So there's a stack of intentions, right? Well, I don't know about stack, but like 
you know, you have that intention yeah, to sit down in the chair, right. you have that intention, that you're staying in the chair to way. do something else. Okay, so it is like there is kind of a stack there that we can think about. And maybe we could just talk about it as a pile because it's not neat pile. enough. It's not like a deck of cards that can that's be true. stacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a pile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's more apt. So, And that also leads to the uh, the story that I one student said this and when I when he said it it just clicked so strongly and I don't talk about it very much anymore. But what this student said was is that everyone is an emperor of their own pile of dirt. Yeah. Every, Probably should be. What do you mean? No. Well, what I mean by that is most people don't feel like the emperor of their own pile of dirt. And so they feel like that they're half buried or completely buried under it and trying to get out of it is a struggle. Yeah, it's it feels like, like the pile of dirt has the crown on it and it's telling me what to do. Uh-huh. And the answer is, is that it's just a mental attitude to be on top of your pile of dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good... It's when you, when you know that you have the power to take an action or to not take an action, Rather than just feeling like you're at the whims, or like, mm-hmm. like then that's yeah, then you're the emperor of your own pile of dirt. Or I'm whatever. the emperor of my own pile of dirt, and here I am sitting on top of the world. Yeah, yeah, but if that's you don't know that, then you know the pile of dirt will. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I want to get dirty again, all I have to do is start digging. Yeah, so we can have these reminders to remember that. Be like, oh no, like I am the emperor of my pile of dirt. dirt. Remember, right, that those intentions that drove me out of the chair is just part of my pile of dirt. Yeah, I don't have to keep rolling around in the mud. Like, it's a choice. Um, And yeah, we can remember that more frequently. You Mm -hmm. know, we don't have to keep it on the cushion. We can, you know, space it out through the day, have filled in these reminders. And then you can, once you get fairly good at, being able to remember to get up out of a chair to not walk, but just to stand mm-hmm. and to reflect, why did I get out of the chair? Or taking that longer moment when we sit down to actually sit down as if we're sitting down for meditation and to completely clean out the mind and completely relax before we start to do anything. Doing that over and over again with the chair will then give you the idea, hey, I can do that with other stuff. Yeah. That I can yeah, do it with the car. Every time I sit down in the car, I can relax. I don't sit in the car or get into the car to go. I sit down in the car to relax. And once I'm completely relaxed, now we can go. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, it's kind of like you're cleaning up almost like the intentions can get more, uh, you keep them in, you can be more like single tracks. I guess mm-hmm. you can like um, develop the skill of being able to follow through on things as opposed to, you know, sitting yes. down saying I'm going to meditate, but then be like thinking about video games or something in my head or like, I don't know, just being distracted. You can like really clear your head out. I mean, like if mm-hmm. you built those skills, is that kind of what you're saying? Like, yes, exactly. Um, focus? Because you see one of the ideas that has been um, infiltrated into Western Buddhism, and I kind of understand how it happened. Is, is that Western Buddhists have the idea that the longer that they can sit, the better. Yeah. But that's not, a, that's not at all what we're practicing. I, mean, I keep falling into that trap. How long can you remember? Hmm? I keep falling into that. 
you know, like I keep wanting to sit longer and longer and um, really diminishing returns, though. Like, I mean, I see the diminishing returns. It's like, no, I want to carry it with me throughout the day. Like, um, yeah. Short periods throughout the day often is a much better practice than sitting for long periods of time because the longer we sit, the duller the mind gets and the more likely we're just sitting in hindrances. Yeah, like, yeah, like I'll, as a novice, as someone who's like still figuring things out, like I'll be sitting in hindrances for a lot of time. Like if I sit down and try to sit for an hour, a lot of that's going to be hindrances. Like that's yeah, like perfect, exactly what I mean. Um, and, but if I'm practicing like these short, you know, like 10 seconds, like I can keep that focused and on point. And that's mm-hmm. been like, you know, in the past couple of weeks being like, oh, yeah, like that's been really helpful. And like, um, I don't know, toiling around in hindrances isn't fun. Like it gets really frustrating. Like <laughs> it starts playing like more and more tricks on you. But it's like, no, just like go back, just do a little bit here and there. Um, you know, been helpful, more helpful in my life anyway. But I can see how like the lure, like I'm sure people that are skilled, like get a lot out of hour sits or something. They can maybe like go into 10th jhana or something and like do crazy stuff. But uh, for me, it's like yeah, a novice. Yeah, but what like, happens when person. you call him Mr. Nobody? Are your meditations no good? Are you sitting too long and you don't have a clue about what you're doing? You say that to him and then watch his reaction. You have to go on all the podcasts and <laughs> tell everybody why they're wrong. And <laughs> Gosh. That's one of the things that I see with Reddit is that these guys have become experts in Dhamma study and suttas and uh, uh, several of them in particular are quite willing to trash every known meditation teacher out there. Yeah, I mean, they'll it's super apart like... Achan Soma and they'll take apart Achan Sumedho and they'll take apart, uh, uh, even have talking uh, about a contest between these two monks about how they would treat a sutta, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, it's so tempting. It's so easy. It's such an easy trap for me to fall into. Just, like, listen to podcasts about meditation. I'll get mad when they say something that disagrees from what I've heard with you. And it's like, no, oh, this isn't a use of good use of my time. Like, if something's useful to me, that's great. Like, but it's just a super easy to, trap to fall into. I don't know. I, I see, like, myself like kind of similar patterns. We are in such a habit of being in critical mind and critical thinking that in fact, in our society, critical thinking is at the highest of ideals. Hmm. Right. But in fact, critical thinking means that we're trying to decide which is good and which is bad, which is right, which is wrong, which is up, which is down. And that's completely different than nurturing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot nurturing of, means that we, everything's okay already. We don't have to do it better. Now is good enough. Look, kind of, I guess, off the topic of what we were talking about, but I've been noticing that with media and things like that. It's like, I'll watch them to get upset, I'll watch them to get mad. And it's, <laughs> it's been interesting to be like, I don't have to open, I don't have to watch these videos. Like, I'm not good at it yet. Like, I still watch the videos, but it's been interesting. Like, I'm not, I don't feel happy when I watch, like, somebody talk about politics or, like. Okay, well, that's, that's a tough one. But if you start every video with a reminder that, hey, this video, even if it's only 
30 seconds or an hour, whatever it is, that my intention to watch this video is to enjoy it. That when Donald Trump is talking, enjoy his jokes. Yeah, he's I mean, quite that's, a clown. that's he's, also he's a good point. He's entertaining. That's why, I mean, he's a star for some people. Never mind that he's constantly lying. If he's lying and you don't like him lying, then you're not going to enjoy what he has to say. Yeah, I guess it would also be hindrance to be upset about those things. And that's right. Mm-hmm. It's hindrance for me to be, you know, upset about a political video or upset about a Dhamma video or something. It'd be more interesting to be able to be happy um, yeah, if somebody's right. like getting mad. If somebody's even, saying an opinion, even if you like say that they're they're wrong, let us say that <coughs> that uh, some meditation teacher says uh, uh, the story of the joy of meditating on a unicorn, mm. and and the Anapanasati dudes will go say a unicorn. You're not going to get any shot with a unicorn. But if they would actually practice, oh, yeah, unicorns are nice. Yeah, let's think about unicorns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see the that is a more skillful approach. You know, like even when I was telling you, like, oh, or even in this conversation, it's like, yeah, if I'm recalling something that made me mad, it'd be like way more interesting to, you know, maintain Saudi, like uh, maintain all these good qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there's something going on in the world around me that I don't like, which happens all the time, <laughs> I guess they're like, you know, something that triggers me, you know. Yeah, that that's exactly um, I think that that what I'm thinking about now is when people leave comments. On the YouTube videos or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. That many, many of the comments that are especially for political uh, it seems that when on Dhamma videos, that everybody is a little bit polite, but on um, political view, uh, videos, people are quite nasty to each other. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that nastiness is because they're already in critical thinking. Yeah, Their mind is in critical. Let's go into nurturing thinking in the sense of, you know, Everything did work out okay with all of the trauma and hair pulling that the Democrats and all did about how bad Donald Trump is. He didn't do so much damage that he destroyed the place. He couldn't possibly. Hmm. All right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, or more like. um, Yeah, I mean, that's true. Or like even my impact, you know, like what would. Is it skillful to be angry? And then, like, what impact is that going to have on the situation? Um, Anger, I mean, I actually, in that regard, is never skillful. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Now, at skillful. one time in, during my beginning of practice, I fell into the same trap that everyone feels into: is is that when we are angry, we feel powerful, we feel strong, we feel right. We feel convicted. We talk about righteous anger yeah. or justice. And we are the power and the wielder of justice. Mm-hmm. All right. Which means that we're out there enforcing our rules on someone else. Mm-hmm. Which means I don't feel good and neither does he. All right. So the better way of doing it is just to say, okay, never mind. Let him have his rant. He's okay. 
Yeah, I, I mean, don't have to. I don't have to uh, comment about his dirty comment with another dirty comment. Sure. I mean, even if you go back to like the weighing the pros and cons, it's like, well, I could get angry about this, or a better option would be, you know, keep a clear head, know what actions I can take, and then take the appropriate one. I mean, that's. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So even in quarantine, it's been more like more apparent because it's like, well, I don't have a lot of power from my house to so do a lot of. I mean, like, I don't know. What am I going to go? move to D.C. and become a congressman or something like, I don't know. It's just like there's certain options. It's like it would actually affect change that, you know, that, you know, well, I mean, I, never mind, sorry, I'm full off track. In, in a way, I could say that I'm absolutely committed to being extremely careful about the coronavirus. Yeah. In the sense of tracking how it's going, that in fact, I wear a mask about once a month. Mm-hmm. Because that's about how often I go out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when I go out, I wear shoes, I wear a shirt, and I wear a mask. Mm. Those are three good reasons to not go out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I guess tying it back. So in a like... way, going out or leaving the house is very, very much for me the same as the chair. Mm -hmm. Why would I get up and go? Why? This What's is my point? home. I'm, right. I'm beautiful here. Why should I go out? Hmm. Let me investigate. Why? Do, okay, you got to go to the bank. All right. We know that we got to go to the bank. We got to go to the bank because things, you know, are part of the real world, etc. And then I um, basically, let me be really clear about it. Social security checks sent overseas are only sent to a, a, a direct deposit account. And that, that means that one has to appear at the bank to make any withdrawals. Mm -hmm. And the Social Security wants that. So they will not allow uh, the, uh, the bank in Thailand in order for them to have a, a direct deposit account for Social Security from the United States, they cannot issue debit cards. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they, they want you to make sure the right person Because the U.S. It. government, when, if you're dead and, and people, when they retire, they have a habit of dying. More people yeah. die retired than, than uh, people who are not retired. Mm -hmm. So yeah. people right. die and they want their yeah. money back. Yeah. And so that's why they have complete control over it until the guy who actually has it goes to the bank. Okay, so that's the reason of the rationale for going to the bank. And it's a good enough reason. Mm. Yeah, that's, so, so that's like your reminder. So like when you're out right. with everybody, like that you're like, oh, like this is my time to be like wake up and like be aware of what's going on around me. That's really interesting. And I guess you practice, <laughs> you get a lot of practice too. Right. So going to the bank is a big episode in mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Or going to the visa. That's a big time for mindfulness. And it's a new experience every time I go. Yeah. Even though it's once a year or actually twice a year, once to take it to visa, the passport, and then the other one is to go in and fetch it. Yeah. I'm hoping the, um, you know, the reminders that we were talking about earlier, like uh, those will help me. Throughout the day, I don't know, I guess like a good example, I went to the dog park today and there were so many corgis, like there were like a thousand corgis there for some reason. And they were all loud and barking and biting my dog and like I could feel myself getting angry. <laughs> and, um, you know, 
I was able to wake up first and be like, oh, this is dogs doing dog stuff, you know, not a big deal. And like cool back down, you know, I'm hoping to have more moments like that where like, you know, if something political happens or like uh, maybe, you know, some Dhamma teacher is talking about the unicorns, like, you know, you got to go find your unicorn in the forest and drink its blood <laughs> or whatever. Um, that's the only way to, to get the fortune or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, just having where it's like, oh, that's like interesting and just being happy and um, just remembering to you don't have to get upset. You know, I don't have to, um, you know, I can feel like a winner, you know, summon all the, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, seven factors or whatever. Uh, kind of, I'm saying exactly. whatever all the time. <laughs> Getting tired. Um, but yeah, that, I'll practice those this week. It's already been super helpful in the past two weeks since we talked. Um, just being like, oh, I stand up and wander around and like have aimless intentions most of the day. Like these things are very interesting. Great. I'm glad that you're practicing this. I hope everyone who sees this video says, hey, you know, that's worthwhile doing. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's been a big help to me. Excellent. Well, Clint, we'll see you in a week or so. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Okay.